Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey there, everyone. I hope you're having a great day. I am sitting here watching the snowfall. We finally got our first snow in Boulder, Colorado, and it's beautiful. And I went out for a little hike before I interviewed Allison Teal, and wow, I froze my butt off. I got to get ready for this. I'm not prepared yet. It was also really interesting because this next interview, this episode, it's such a treat. And the woman who you are going to hear from and hear all about great vision for life, her name's Allison Teal. Um, She lives on the big island of Hawaii. And so I was kind of laughing going, yes, she's in California right now, but look at what she's looking at. Look what I'm looking at. Um, She is one of the coolest people, young woman, she basically grew up adventuring around the world with two incredibly free spirited and wonderful parents and saw the world in a way that most of us never will. Um, Obviously, we can't go back in time and be one year old and trekking up uh, peaks in South America. So, We never will. But um, the things she learned and the lessons she learned along the way really have shaped her life. And um, a couple years ago, she got an incredible opportunity. Many of you listening will laugh and think, this is something I would never do. It's to be on a TV show on the Discovery Channel called Naked and Afraid. (laughs) Literally dropped naked onto an island with another naked dude. And you have to survive for 21 days. And she had just such an incredible experience with that. But what that program did for her was launch her into sort of a mainstream consciousness. And so she was then able to move forward and have a bigger platform to try to make change in this world on the issues that are important to her. Now, you're going to have to check out her website. Um, It's called allisonsadventures.com. And Allison is one L. Allisonsadventures.com. Uh, she is putting out films about the the things that are very important to her. And I think this is something you need to check out when you have a few minutes. She's found a way to take, this is definitely a talent, to take very serious issues and give them um, a little comedic angle. And what this does is it allows these hard and difficult issues to be watchable. And for us to really see them and, and, and not just want to turn away because they're too hard to think about. So you're going to have to check out her films. And if you do have it in you and you think that this is important, go to her GoFundMe. She puts these out for free and she's planning to keep it that way. But, you know, it does cost her time, energy and money to do all these films. So check that out. Um, The other really cool thing you're going to see is that she literally lives in a Swiss Family Robinson style treehouse on the Big Island. And by the way, I know the Big Island and uh, her parents were the first people to purchase the land that this home sits on from uh, the, the queen who the deed was still under her name. And that's a very special thing for native Hawaiian Islanders. They don't give up their land easily. So this is a very special family who produced a very special child, now a woman, and she is going out there and trailblazing. So with that, I'm going to bring her on. All right, all right. I am so excited to bring Allison Teal onto the show today. Allison is an adventurer. She's changing the world through so many amazing and cool and unique projects. And she has had one of the most interesting just childhoods and and backgrounds of anyone I've ever met. Allison, thank you for joining me today. Aloha. (laughs) Aloha. I love it. 
You know, I actually have a little bit of a tie to the Big Island from uh, all the years of doing Ironman. So you, you live on the Big Island in Hawaii. I do. It's fun. I actually volunteer sometimes for the Surf Patrol for Ironman, and I watch the athletes, and I'm just blown away. So you guys, big, big, uh, big, yeah, hands down. Bow down to the Ironman athletes for sure. Yeah, I live in um, South Kona on the Big Island in a kind of the last little remote Hawaiian fishing village. Um, and it's it's special. My family and I, um, over my lifetime, have built this like Robinson Crusoe style sustainable home, um, all solar power. My papa runs his trucks off vegetable oil. And um, we're right, you know, we're the only oceanfront retreat center, I think, in Hawaii. My mom's a, a yoga teacher. And it's amazing, you know, just picture perfect, like swaying palms and jumping dolphins. And it was a pretty special place to uh, call home growing up. I'm just like picturing all of you in like grass skirts and coconut <laughs> bras from the images I've seen online. I mean, was it literally that uh, freedom, you know, inspiring? Absolutely. Well, it's funny because I actually grew up as a pro hula dancer when I was little. I didn't even know I was Howley, you know, white. I thought I was full Hawaiian and I did all the hula competitions and wore all the coconut shells and grass skirts. And um, I think that's what actually helped me surviving um, in Naked and Afraid. I know we'll touch on that probably later. We were just talking about it, but, um, you know, just having those survival skills growing up in Hawaii, it's almost like survival 101, you know, back in the day all the time, um, eating coconuts, you know, fresh off your land, papayas, starfruit. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, it's interesting because my parents think that they raised a skier and I turned out a surfer. They actually, um, were big Coloradanites. Uh, and I, was <laughs> is that a word? I love it. We'll take it. Um, yeah, that's why I was so excited to talk to you. Cause I was actually born in Eldora, um, right above Boulder. Wow. Wow. That is awesome. We go up there and do skate skiing in the winter and it's just so cool because it's kind of an accessible little mountain ski resort. Right? I just went back for the first time. It was unbelievable. I did an actual film on my YouTube about it going back to the – I was born on a log cabin on the floor. Um, and it, I feel, you know, blessed and honored to call Colorado my roots. My parents were, you know, the crazy ski hooligans. Uh, my dad had the first Telemark ski school in Aspen, and they were, you know, major ski mountaineer pioneers. And then they had a daughter, of course, who's a surfer. Um, I think, you know, they wanted to change when I was a baby. They were kind of tired of – frozen pipes and shoveling snow. And they got a call from mountain bike magazine to take some of the first mountain bikes in the world, um, over to Hawaii, the big Island on a three month bike trip. And along the way, they found this incredible piece of property, this oceanfront property. It had never been sold in the history of Hawaii. Um, it belonged to queen Lily Okalani on the deed. And, you know, the Hawaiian family sat us down and said, well, if you're meant to have this property, you know, it'll, it'll be And these two whales breached in front of the sunset and he looked at us and said, okay, this is yours. And so over my lifetime, you know, we've built kind of this uh, paradisical, it, it really is Swiss Family Robinson. Um, but my papa was a photographer for companies like Patagonia and National Geographic. And so at two months old, my uh, first family trip was climbing the highest peak in southern Peru, um, Ausangate. And since then, my life's just been this crazy whirlwind of adventure with Hawaii as our base camp. And my gosh, they took me to climb Mount Everest when I was like seven and, you know, camel safaris across the Rajasthan desert, um, living, you know, in yoga ashrams, you name it. I've been, you know, the dangerous jungles and wastelands um, across this this planet. And it just gave me a really unique childhood and perspective on life. And that's how my film series was born, Allison's Adventures. Wow. So for anyone listening, Allison's Adventures is a really special series. It's um, it's on your website. There'll be a link in the show notes. So you're going to go to NicoleDeBoom.com. You're going to look up Allison's podcast and you will find a wealth of really fun films. So the cool thing about this is, Allison, we're going to dig into your background in a second here, but I have to give a little bit of props to you and your filmmaking skills because oh. you're phenomenal. You take these big issues, and sometimes they're just fun little snippets, and you make them, you humanize them, and you make it so that people can stomach watching things that are sometimes really hard to watch. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that oh, there's a real talent that goes with that. How did you get to the point where you even had the wherewithal to figure this out, that putting a, a t- 
tough, tough um, kind of uh, conflict or, or, or tough topic and making it sort of funny or entertaining is the way to people's uh, psyche. You know, it's interesting, actually. Um, growing up around the world, I lived in a lot of dangerous places. I lived in a lot of really beautiful places. Um, and you know, you trade potatoes for a place to stay or it was different. It was based upon a trade society. It was based upon, you know, is my dad was shooting with National Geographic. I'd have to go, you know, sit on a, you know, cannibal's lap and make them smile to get the shot. And it was always like living life on the edge. And so I became, um, I, I know this sounds weird, but my job was almost like to make the dangerous and make the wild digestible to the mass public and share it. So I was like this connector because I, by default, became his model in a lot of the photos. So I'd have to climb up on the, you know, camel as it was galloping across the Rajasthan desert and not fall off with this wild camel driver. And who knows if they were going to kidnap me or, you know, just, I'm kind of making this up, but like there was always a wild adventure and I always had to be the smiling young girl that would make it presentable in the photos. And through that, I developed this knack to, share stories of people you wouldn't normally meet. And there's, I mean, if you think about it in our culture, in any culture, it's the stories that keep culture alive. Like that's, you know, with the hula dancing, with the songs, with the dance of Africa, wherever you go, it's the stories that pass down the information, right? And a lot of these wise elders and shamans, like I, my, my painting teacher and my, my homie G, my homie G unit growing up was, um, the shaman from Eat, Pray, Love. You know, I lived in a village in Bali and he was just a normal dude to me. And, you know, we'd have our daily painting sessions and he'd teach me things. But I didn't realize that, that, you know, my culture, my Western culture I was from didn't even know a lot of this wisdom. So I thought, you know, how could I figure out a way once I was older to share the mystery and the intrigue and these stories of all these other cultures through filmmaking. I rebelled against it for a long time. I was like, Papa, if you take one more photo of me, I'm going to jump overboard. But of course, you know, you can only rebel against your parents so long. And then you realize you're really good at it because he instilled in me and I, and, you know, I learned so much from him growing up. I went to USC film school and I took off with my surfboard and my camel uh, (laughs) across the world. And I wanted to appeal to our future generations. I think the kids um, that are coming up right now in the schools, um, they're going to be our future leaders, you know, and if they have fun watching my films, then they're going to learn. And the other kind of secret tidbit not a lot of people know is I grew up only the only entertainment I ever got to see, okay, because I didn't have a TV, there weren't iPhones. I mean, we were, you know, up in the highest mountains in the world or in the deepest jungles was on in-flight entertainment. And the only kids in-flight entertainment was Disney films. So I was like, wait a minute, how come, you know, the world doesn't know that Aladdin really exists? You know, there there really is a lion, like the lion out of the Lion King, you know, and these were the people I grew up with and played with. So I thought maybe I could make a real life Disney film series and show that these people really exist. Wow. I mean, okay, and all of this comes from this unique background, this unique upbringing where you had parents who were driven by things that are different than most people are driven by money and careers and, and grounding and and success in a different kind of way. So what were your parents values and, and how, like, how did you just get, how did you come into this? So cool. I know. Isn't it funny? Um, well, one hot night in Bolivia, (laughs) I was, as you say, and you know, a lot of people look at my, and my parents and say, wouldn't it have been easier not to have a kid, you know, with all this crazy adventure you did? And they go, no, you know, she was, what they did after they were ski models and crazy pioneers of adventure, um, they started guiding people to share it with them. And what they notice is after these trips, the people would go on, you know, they'd come on a trip and then they'd carry on their own lives. And they thought, well, we want to have somebody that we share these experiences with that then becomes our legacy. And so we should have a kid because that's the person who's hopefully going to stick around and be part of this with us. And and I did, and I am, and and they're they're everything to me. They're my best friends and my mentors, and and we're kind of three of a oh god. It gets me all choked up thinking about it. You know that they they literally gave me the world, and you know they would always tell me growing up because um, we didn't have any money. We barely had a dime to our name. You know we we'd sleep on the floor of mud brick huts or find ourselves in some canoe going down the Amazon and you know eating strange guinea pig or whatever came along and. 
they'd always tell me, Allison, you know, you got to live your life based upon a trust fund, meaning that you need to trust the funds will be there. And I always think that's so powerful wow. knowing what, you know, what a trust fund means in reality. Um, yeah. yeah. You got to trust. And so, yeah, that's pretty much their, their motto for life is, is if you do what you love, you know, you'll never work a day in your life. And you, if you're not doing what you love, then you need to change that because it is possible to make a living and to live doing what you love. It's true. And, and it means something different to everyone. And one thing that I think is interesting, too, is that when you're in a reality like you were, that was your normal. And yeah. yet there's another normal, which is kids that, you know, go to school every day. And, and was there any part of you that craved to be a part of that normalcy? <laughs> it's funny you ask. I actually found a little journal the other day from when I was trekking think through Everest or maybe it was, it might've been in Thailand. I don't I was reading it and it, my one dream, believe it or not, um, it was talking about how I couldn't wait to one day ride a big yellow school bus. And that was my dream. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to ride a yellow school bus. I wanted to ha- bus. I wanted to have a little box lunch. I wanted homework. I wanted textbooks because I didn't understand. And, and everybody, you know, in the Disney movies had that and they had slumber parties and why couldn't I have that? And I went through a really hard time and you know, actually an interesting part of that is when I was about seven, nine, uh, we were up in the Himalayas near Mount Everest Base Camp and I was hitting a wall. Like I wanted, you know, I had seen an in-flight movie coming there of kids that got to go to school and had friends. And I met this little Sherpa girl named Rita. We didn't speak the same language, but it was finally a kid my age. And I was just over the moon and I would, you know, go to sleep crying at night. Like I want to go to school. I want to have friends. And my parents were like, okay, go to school. So I got up at four in the morning and we hiked over a 17,000 foot pass, which is what they do to go to school every day and went to school at the base of Mount Everest. And that was my first experience inside a a schoolhouse. And so that, that became normal to me, you know, and it's just, it's different, you know, what, what normal means. And at the time I was going wild with it, but now that I'm older and understand most kids would have dreamed of my life. So I think it's all perspective and appreciating what you have, making the best of it. And, uh, knowing that you're doing right as a parent. Like if you feel in your heart that you're giving them love and the world and what you want to share with them, then just stick with that because they will come around and and you'll be glad you did it. So let me ask you, as an adventurer and a owner of your own spirit, are you, has it been hard to have a relationship? <laughs> I mean, don't, don't you someday, I see it in you, I hear it in you, you're going to have kids someday. Like this is, we've got to pass down a little mini Allison Teal to the world. Uh, it's so funny. Um, my mom will always be like, so <laughs> how's, how's it all going? Um, I can tell they're very excited <laughs> to teach their little grandkids some surfing and adventuring. God, they'd love, they'd love grandma and grandpa. Um, yeah, to me, I feel like it's important to have a strong, you know, I always wanted a stable base when I was a kid. And right now I have so much going on. It's a big job to change the world. Um, so I'm, I'm focusing <laughs> on that right now. And then, hey, if you know any, uh, any eligible surfers that um, love to travel and, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke. I'm a kind of a endangered species in a sense. Um, I'm kind of high on life. And so I don't run in the, the uh, I don't want to say, you know, I, I don't condemn people that do. I don't have any problem with it. I just, I kind of walk to the beat of my own ukulele. And so it's challenging, yeah, to find that significant other that can keep up and that we can start, you know, an adventuresome life. My, my parents are unique in what they did with a child. I don't know many other people that have. So it's big flip-flops to fill. Um, I was convinced mm-hmm. that, that <laughs> left Angelina for me, but now I'm starting. He's, he hasn't called yet. So. <laughs> no. And you know, everyone's got their own deep, dark secrets. So you just don't know what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about health and fitness and sport. You mentioned surfing and, and I know you gravitated to that sport or it, it gravitated to you. What does that, what does surfing mean to you? Well, surfing to me is more of a symbol of protecting our world waters. As much as I love it as a sport and the rush of it, and you know, I never feel more alive and more healthy than when I'm surfing and when I'm out in the ocean, it's also 
my brand image in the sense that, you know, people are like, why do you always run around in a pink bikini with a pink surfboard? You know, sometimes I'll get that question if they haven't seen my films. And what it is, is I have a surfboard made out of recycled coffee cups. I've got a bikini made out of plastic, you know, recycled water bottles. And I take it with me everywhere I go. And I always say that a, a smile and a pink surfboard can open any door. And, you know, when you rock up to Trash Island in the Maldives and it's, you know, it has Islamic um, government protecting it. You know, they crack up. They see me and they can't help but share their stories with me or, you know, the ancient Fijian culture of firewalking chiefs that, you know, there's a lot of times when National Geographic or Discovery, like, for example, they tried to go shoot this um, documentary about this lost village of shamans um, in the Andes and they were throwing rocks at them. They didn't want them to come in there because they march in with this big film equipment and all these things. Not to bash those companies. I love them. I worked, you know, with Discovery and National Geographic. It's just that me as a single girl with this pink surfboard and my camera and my bikini, it's not a threat. And it becomes this kind of um, this image, this symbol of of cross-culture unity and fun and comedy and also of protecting our waters. Um, Every shaman I've ever met medicine men, healer, psychic, seer, whatever you want to call them, has predicted that, well, first of all, loving each other is the most important thing. And second of all, that our world waters are the most important thing to protect and worry about in terms of causing wars. You know, we all need water for survival. We can only survive four days, three or four days without water. So I always say, you know, as a metaphor, if you can't surf through life, we're in big trouble. Um, And that's, that's what I do is I surf through life. Yep, you do. And you have a way that allows people to feel comfortable and um, able to be vulnerable with you. And I think that's a real talent. People can learn from that, too. We we like to put up guards, and it's really not the best best way through the world, like you said. No, my parents, you know, my papa, he really taught me that. It's like you want to create ohana, as we call it in Hawaii, family wherever you go. And um, it'll get me choked up thinking about it. But, you know, every time somebody comes on a trip with us or, you know, comes to our house in Hawaii on a yoga retreat, they become part of our ohana. You know, you can't get rid of us. Like we're, <laughs> we're always going to be there. And it's not just, it's not a business. It's a family. And that's what I do with my films. That's why I offer them for free because there's a lot of people and cultures out there that need a voice. Um, you know, it's like American Idol for the world. <laughs> It's, it's true. And I'm going to, I'm going to stop for a second just to let everyone know that Allison is putting these films out for free because she wants to make the world a better place. And she really, they are funded through the love of other people supporting her vision and her mission in the world. And so if you go to Allison's Adventures website, which I will put a link in the show notes to, um, Allison has a GoFundMe, correct? Yep. It's on the bottom of my homepage. Um, Allison's Adventures, like A-L-I-S-O-N-S, Adventures with an S on the end. You'll see it at the bottom and um, you can you can see my upcoming episodes. I have like 12 films I've already filmed, but I get to edit them all because I'm a one woman show. So it really helps, um, you know, to bring them to schools. It helps with the editing time and all of everything needed to make movies. Cause it's yes. you know, a lot of work. Yes. And when you watch the first one or two or three, you're going to get sucked in and you're going to need to just donate even a little bit is going to help. So don't yeah. forget that it's important. We need to support people who are changing this world. And on that note, we were talking about putting up guards and, there is a, a, a project that you did recently where you basically took down all your guards, including all your clothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the uh, Discovery Channel's Naked, Naked and Afraid program, right? National TV show. I never thought I'd be naked on TV, and I never thought that doing that would actually change the world. But it has surprised me, and just I feel blessed and honored to have been given that platform and a voice. Well, what's really funny is most of the people listening hear that and they're like, I would never go naked on TV. I would rarely go naked like in my room without with a light on, you know, like there's there's a lot of body image issues and self uh, self image distortion out there. And we know that. So to get a phone call and they're like, hey, you want to be naked on national TV? Like what made you want to do this? And first of all, why did they even have you in their Rolodex? What was so special about you that they had to call you and say, come on, let's do this thing. <laughs> right. Can you imagine? Well, I'm sitting on the 
this tiny little Fijian island making one of my movies. I'm interviewing the head chief of the Firewalkers and my cell phone rings, which I didn't even know could work there. And it was Discovery Channel. And they're like, hey, Allison, how would you feel about going to the harshest environment on Earth for almost a month with a man you've never met naked? And my jaw dropped about 20 feet. I almost hung up on them. I was so insulted at first. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, who would call me for a naked TV show? So I got back to Hawaii and I'm telling my parents and, you know, I'm talking with Discovery. And then as we talked more, meaning a year, a year later, I finally agreed to do it um, after I developed, helped develop it with them and, you know, say what we're going to need. We're going to need one item. We're going to need this. But it's kind of an interesting concept because if you think about it, what if our world did come to an end or what if our world was just beginning and it's very Adam and Eve and how how would that have been if two people were in this environment and had nothing and had to survive? And, you know, it's not a it's not a pornographic show. You don't actually see anything. And I can tell you about 10 minutes into the show, the last thing I thought about was my naked booty. I was hungry. I was worried about where I was going to sleep, what I was going to eat, you know, this other guy that I'd never met and how we were going to work together. Because it wasn't a competition. It was about working together um, to get through it. And it blew me away. It blew my parents away. Um, I it was kind of a coming of age. And also, you know, I've never taken a survival course in my life. It, it's just, I've grown up, I think, survival 101 every day. And so it was kind of an ode and an honor, I think, to my parents to realize, like, they, they feel like they'd raised me, raised me right. And um, I, yeah, I got back and it became the number one show in the history of Discovery. And our episode was the most viewed and I had the highest survival rating. And I it, it just blew my mind. You know, it's one of those stories you hear where like Coconut Girl goes and uh, becomes a sensation on TV and not to mention naked after here I am wanting to start a, you know, kid series to inspire me <laughs> to make it all Disney. It was it was kind of a crack up. But if it showed if it taught me one thing, it's like if you stay true to who you are, you could even do a naked TV show and still change the world and be the person you want to be. People will respect you, you know? That is so awesome. Okay, so let's pretend someone was plopped into a survival situation. What are the top three most important things that he or she needs to know? Shelter is number one, believe it or not, if you don't have a good shelter. And 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 clothing is your number one shelter. So we were stripped of that already. Um, so building a shelter and then water. Um, water is very important. You can only survive about three days, three or four days without water. Uh, fire, which you can usually use to boil water because it can be contaminated. And food. Food is your last. You can go about three weeks without food. Um, I didn't eat until like day 16. So it was wow a very spiritual experience. Um, and it was very real. Like this was not TV, like slipping us a hamburger behind the scenes. I thought I was going to die, you know, for a majority of the time. Um, and a lot of the time I was high as a kite, just thinking this is how our world should be. Like we're living off nature. We're, I'm connected, you know, it's, it's pretty special when you can leave Facebook, Twitter, technology, everything behind and really go into nature. And I've found that if I ever get down or, you know, having a bad day or just worried about the future. If I walk out into nature, all the answers come to me and suddenly I have this kind of rejuvenation for life. And I think all the answers are out there. You know, the the world is a really magical place if you can, if you can get back to your roots and back to the earth. You are such a badass. I love it. So what is your number one biggest takeaway from having done that show? Naked and Afraid? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, never underestimate dark chocolate. I'll never forget how much I wanted dark chocolate afterward. You know, I think my biggest takeaway from that is you, you, me, you know, anyone, the, 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 the you of the world would be blown away of what you actually have in you when you go try something. Because a lot of people would say like, oh, I could never do that. Or I couldn't be a day without my, you know, nightlight and my fluffy comforter. But you would be surprised if you're put in that situation, what humans can endure and go through and survive and not only survive, but thrive. And so I think it's an important metaphor for life that you know, we are more than we think and we have it in us to accomplish our dreams, to get through things and to work together because it's kind of a metaphor for life, like a microcosm in a way that show, like if we can work together and get through it, 
we will survive and thrive. And that's important in our world right now. Like if we're at each other's throats and, you know, that person doesn't share their coconuts and, you know, this person won't share the shelter at night, then we're, we're going to die. And so we need to come together as a planet. We need to come together as a country and come together as families. And it just starts from the ground up. And that was my takeaway from the show is it's a choice we have to survive and thrive and work together. Yep. And I love that. I think a lot of people aren't faced with extreme enough circumstances in their daily lives to get to that point. And so this is a really special, yeah. So one of the things that I know happened to you while you were on the show is that this awareness of the pollution that's happening in the world started to become very apparent. So tell me a little more about the, the plastic pollution problem. Oh my gosh. Well, it would blow your mind. I mean, I wish everybody could be out there naked for 30 days just to experience um, what's really going on in the world because it's wilder than you can ever imagine. Every day I would wake up on the island and there would be plastic bottles floating in from all over the world with labels from Russia, China, India, Australia, US, Hawaii. I was like, what? How is this possible? Um, At the time, it was great. I could cut them into things and use them for survival, but it's not pretty for the planet. And what I found out afterwards is it actually took like two villages a week just to clean that island. It's one tiny little island in thousands of islands. Um, And so to sit there and to see all this plastic pollution happening, it instigated or I guess it planted a seed in me to start looking more into it and figure out what is going on with plastic pollution in the world. And as I looked deeper, you know, Plastic is, by 2050, it's supposed to outnumber fish in our oceans. And if the oceans die, we die. And the plastic is killing everything in the oceans. So as soon as I got back, I was like, holy cow, um, I got to do something about this. Because now I have a platform and, you know, we were doing the talk shows and the Discovery Channel promotion. And, you know, I kept injecting all this stuff on plastic pollution, which not many people really um, wanted to hear. They were more interested in, you know, if we slept together and all these, you know, funny things about a naked show. And I just became determined to make plastic pollution uh, just as important as naked people on TV. So, you know, I have another question about this. Um, You wear products that are made from recycled plastic bottles, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, I've been really lucky to... um, team up with Odina Surf. Um, They're a bikini company and they make activewear and bikinis. Um, I've been with them for about six years now, helped them develop some of their designs. And um, they're out of California, like Ma and Pa, they sew everything here. They're really awesome family. And the bikinis are made out of plastic bottles. So the story in my film, because it's called uh, One Man's Crash is Another Woman's Bikini, um, which we could get more into. But, you know, I, I... I use the bikini kind of as a symbol of what we can start to do with our trash. We need to recycle it into usable items. Well, first of all, we need to stop using plastic, but there's already a lot of it out there. So what are we going to do with it? You know, and I I encourage people to think about where does something come from and where is it going when you buy it? Because there's no such thing as just throwing it away. It doesn't disappear. Like people that, oh, it's just going to be recycled. Well, that's not, no, we need to stop. It's it, it. Plastic is not necessary. And it's as simple as just like using a reusable bottle. We don't have to get crazy about it. You know, it's not like doomsday. It's just use a reusable bottle or try to bring your own fork and spoon. Um, it's pretty simple, but it, it's a it's a severe reality. You know, the, the Maldives is the lowest lying country on earth. They're going underwater. Climate change is a pretty real thing. And I got to see it firsthand. So, whew, you know, you, but you got to stay happy about it because if we get depressed, we can't make a difference, right? That's very true. Um, Let's talk a little more about it. So here you were in the Maldives, plastic washing up on shore. What happens next? Right. Well, um, so I came back and like I said, we got catapulted. I don't know if you've seen Hunger Games, but it was like going straight to the capital. Here we were from naked, you know, uh, surviving on an island and and, and just, just going feral to Steve Harvey and Ellen and all this talk show circuit. And I was like, whoa, this is wild. But then all of a sudden I went, wait a minute, I'm getting a platform. I should make a film because that's what I do. So um, I went back to the Maldives and made a like 15 minute short, um, a comedic film that I could take to schools. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. You know, I didn't even know if I could 
could go back and film. I mean, it's a very Islamic country and here I am running around in a bikini um, and I was trying to be respectful and to balance it, but I wanted to make a statement. And I had some incredible village connections there. And there's an island um, in the middle of the Indian Ocean in the Maldives called Trash Island, where a lot of our plastic basically comes to die. It's near one of the biggest tuna fisheries in the world. A lot of the plastic goes into the tuna and then they burn it and the pollution is you know, killing the country. And this is not just the Maldives. This is everywhere. But I wanted to go there to make a statement because, you know, that was real to me in the moment. It's happening in Indonesia and in the Philippines. It's, it's happening everywhere in the world. Um, so I set off to make this film. And I am the only person to have ever filmed and captured um, Trash Island, and as I did, and brought it back. And it immediately hit the media. You know, I did this with like a coconut and a granola bar and no budget and just hoping that I could make a difference. And before I knew it, um, it went viral. And I just kind of sat there blown away, you know, Yahoo and CNN's calling me and, you know, they're going, did you really paddleboard to the Maldives? Because I did this whole comedy about, you know, getting on my pink paddleboard made out of coffee cups and taking off to the, to the Maldives to make a difference. People are very literal. People are so literal. And I, you know, here I am like making, you know, some cartoon parts of it. And I wanted it to relate to all, to all audiences. But the reality is, and you should go check out the photos in Trash Island and you know, the Maldives film on my website, because you'll just be blown away. It's apocalyptic. And it shows what's really going on in the world. And the Maldives is a perfect example, because number one, if carbon emissions remain the same, you know, all of our cars and vehicles and all the emissions coming out of everything that the Maldives will be underwater, they say in less than a decade, because of climate change due to that. And that's a scary thought that an entire country could go underwater. And What's going to happen to all that plastic when it does? It's all going to go into the ocean. So, you know, there's a there's this other thing about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch with a lot of people here about, oh, there's this island of plastic the size of Texas. It's two different things. Um, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is actually microscopic, more like tiny pieces of plastic at all levels of the ocean. Nobody's found a way to clean it up. And if we don't stop plastic pollution in places like Trash Island, it's going to become that. And as the plastic breaks down, it just releases these deadly toxins. It goes into the fish. It goes into us. And I don't really like eating plastic. I don't know about you, but um, it's a pretty serious issue. So I, I did my best. Um, what I learned from this experience is that one person can make a difference. Um, and it kind of blew me away. I, I was even blown away by my own project. I was like, holy cow, this is real. You know, I, I had a dream and I had a vision and I just went for it. And it wasn't easy. It was a lot of work. Um, I, you know, it took me over like a year or two to get it together and to make the film and taking it to school tours. And, and now I've inspired um, the cleanup of Trash Island and to install recycling plants in the Maldives. And there's all kinds of programs now working together there. And I just got to go to France and speak at the Environmental World Forum with all the, the scientists. And here I am, you know, my pink dress with my flower. And, and I'm trying to, you know, the, the head of the conference said, Alison, you are the springtime of my forum. And it's just so special to be able to bring, you know, what? I'm not, I, I'm not a scientist. I kind of became an expert on plastic overnight and I'm honored to be able to lend my voice and do it in a digestible way. I think it's, it's fun. You know, my whole thing is you can spend your entire life with a cause or you can be a pixie of many. And that's kind of what I consider myself is I want to be the pixie that goes around and brings awareness to many things. And then the people who have the money and the corporations can hopefully go in there and make a big change because I'm only one person. But I do know a lot from growing up and have these, these experiences of what needs to be brought to light, you know, whether it's elephant or plastic or child trafficking or, you know, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues out there. Um, but this has kind of become a big one for me. And now I'm I'm pioneering changing plastic. And I just did a big campaign in L.A., where I paddled through the river after the first flush of rain and it was disgusting, more plastic and styrofoam you've ever seen that goes right into the ocean. And that helped get the bag ban in California on the last election. So now there's no more wow. bags in Hawaii or California. So, you know, one person can make a change and that's, that's just so exciting for me to be able to now know that it's happening. You are making huge change in the world, and it's got to be emotionally very difficult to yeah. be in that environment, and you know, and and then have to leave. 
you know, you could only take one bag of plastic bottles and get it over there and you can't do it all. But so I really like your, you know, your mantra of spreading a little pixie dust out there and, and uh, be bringing awareness to the things that are close to your heart. Well, I think a lot of people, I don't know, maybe you're even you're sitting there right now, like, oh, I mean, it makes me want to cry. It's like, what do you do? You know, you get so overwhelmed on a daily basis of like all the things that are either wrong with the world or we need to change or elections or I don't like this or whatever. You got to start somewhere. And it's like baby steps. And I think people just get so it doesn't have to be that overwhelming. It can be one little simple thing as like use a reusable bottle or like turn off your lights when you can. It's not, you know, rocket science. Like you don't have to go, you know, clean up the great Pacific garbage patch in two days. It's all intention and manifestation and, and making a difference just on an individual basis. That's the only thing that's going to change the world. Oh my goodness. We have covered so much and I, I wish we could keep talking for another 5k, but we're going <laughs> to, we have to keep this rolling. Um, so what would you say is one word that best represents the message you want to get out into the world? Oh geez. Can I do two? I'm going to say two. One, the number one would be aloha. You know, I'm, I'm Howley, as they say, I'm, I'm a white girl. Um, I'm not Hawaiian, but to me, aloha growing up in Hawaii and being you know, I was always the little like girl doing all the hula competitions and growing up thinking that I was Hawaiian. And, and I love the word aloha because to me, it sums pretty much up everything. It's hello. It's goodbye. It's, you know, a form of just expressing excitement, passion, love, um, acceptance and warmth, you know, like aloha when you come somewhere or you or you go somewhere it just it's very welcoming and that's kind of my thing is I want to become a, like an ambassador of the world that connects cultures and to me that word wherever I go when I say aloha people smile whether it's the toothless you know grins of a person in a rice paddy in Indonesia or you know a woman in a burqa in an Islamic country where I'm trying to go on to trash island and I say aloha and immediately they just they can't be serious anymore you know here I am with my pink surfboard screaming aloha and uh it, it, it breaks down cultural barriers and walls. Um, and I think the other word would be pink. And, and people say, why everything pink? And I, you know, I get nauseous and sick of it at times too. But to me, especially with school tours, you know, little girls just love pink. But it goes beyond that where pink represents passion and just, you know, going all out. And it's okay to be feminine. And I think in this adventure world, a lot of people think like we either have to be a dude or we have to go hardcore all out to accomplish anything. And we don't, we can do it with grace. We can do it with pink power. We can do it with ease and still be feminine. And so that's my whole thing is that I want to stay feminine within, you know, changing the world and, and, and conquering all. <laughs> um, I want to you know, remain a girl and a female and, and proud of it. You're very, uh, tapped into who you are and you've reached a point in your life and maybe you've always been this way but where you're proud of it and you're not ashamed of that and I love that about you it's amazing thank you you yeah, know I think I think that that's the biggest lesson that I would ever say if I could give anybody like a a takeaway is everyone out there is insecure nobody knows what the heck they're doing the more that I get around, you know, more prominent people and being able to, everybody's in, we're all in the same canoe. We are literally all in the same boat or canoe. And I think everyone's born with this. I call it an ish. Like, you know, you're ish. You're born with this certain ish and, and you're put here to do something. And if you get drawn to do that, go do it. Don't tell, don't let other people tell you what you should do or think what you should do or do it for money because that way you're robbing the world of the gifts that you were put here to give. And if you don't give those gifts and do what you're meant to do, it's not going to make the world a better place. And that's how the world functions. So I truly believe that we've all been put here for a purpose and you can accomplish your dreams out of nothing. Trust me, like I've done it and it's a ton of work. It's not going to be easy. But every day, you know, when you're working towards goals you want to do and dreams you want to live, it's that much better. So you kind of just have to jump and trust and know that it's going to work and surround yourself around good people and support, you know, don't just like sell all your belongings and live in a tree. Like I think a lot of people, you know, that's like a trend right now. Like think it out. You got to be smart about it. I have to work my butt off to make things work, but it is, any dream is possible and everyone out there is just as insecure as the next and just as, you know, lost and wondering about life. So 
you know, don't be hard on yourself. Well, you, you may have just answered my last question that I ask everyone, but I'm going to ask it anyway in case you okay. want to build on it. Okay. What is your one biggest piece of advice to help people run their worlds in a bigger and better way? You know, I always say that the most important thing to pack on an adventure is a sense of humor. I think that that kind of goes for anything, that if you can keep lighthearted um, and, 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 and keep the comedy alive within your daily life, that you can surf through it much easier. You can glide through it much easier. My dad always said, you know, when we'd be traveling, he'd always say, if you, there's three things you got to keep. If you lose your health, your money or your sense of humor, you're done. And money in the sense of like, you know, you need some to survive. I'm not saying go out there and like pray in a corner and, and live off air. You know, money is an important thing, but you have to also trust that you don't need a lot of it. And I think it makes you happy. So your health, your, your, your well-being, your livelihood, your money, and your sense of humor. And I think that if you can keep those three things um, in check, that that's all you can really ask for. And I think a lot of people now with all these opportunities in media and, you know, I call it over there-itis. It's really funny. Like you look at somebody's Facebook and you want to be over there or you're like surfing this break and you see a wave down the coast and you're like, oh my God, that looks so much better. I want to be over there. And I call it <laughs> over there-itis. Like, no, it's not better. It just seems better in someone else's life. And that's my biggest lesson growing up is like, all I wanted to go to school and be normal. And then when I grew up and realized that all those kids wanted to do what I was doing, I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's just live your life you've been given and love it and appreciate it and honor your parents and your elders and pass on to future generations what, you know, you wish you would have had growing up and as a kid and, and mix it up and, and keep it fresh. You know, someone always told me the key to life is having something to look forward to. And I think that's always what I do with my travels is like, what, what can I look forward to, whether it's a trip or meeting someone or, you know, keep yourself going. You gotta, you gotta keep yourself going and, and, uh, life is really short. So make that legacy in the world. Like when I get press, if it's not good, if it's not on something good, it doesn't make me feel good. And I think a lot of people just like want to be famous or want to do TV. And honestly, I can tell you from experience, it only feels good and you only feel like you're accomplishing something and going for your dreams if it's something good for the world. And so I would inspire everyone to just do something for the world and you'll, it's amazing the feeling. It's just like, wow, yeah, it's, a, it's accomplishment, you know? Well, let's just say this. Wherever you are is the place to be. Yeah. And hopefully you're near Allison Teal because <laughs> that's really the place to be. Well, actually, you can be near me. You could come. I have a trip coming up, um, not to be like totally self-promoting, but it is pretty incredible um, if you want to join us um, in Hawaii this January. Uh, we are actually opening up our home to have people come. Because, uh, you know, I've been getting all these emails and messages and asking me the questions like you have been asking. And I want to share with people. Like, I don't want to write you an email. I want to actually tell you or take you on an adventure, have you be able to experience it firsthand so it really gets into your body and, and then you're able to really manifest your dreams. Um, so we're inviting everybody to come and stay at our home suite, Robinson Crusoe style grass shack for a week, uh, January 4th to 11th and learn sustainability with my papa and yoga every day with my incredible mommy yogi. Uh, she's pretty world famous and, and really awesome. Um, and it's for all levels. We're going to go surfing. We're going to hike through these crazy like Jurassic Park valleys minus the killer dinosaurs, um, go to an active volcano, hula classes, make coconut hats, do Hawaiian archery. Uh, it's it's mind blowing. I It'll yeah, totally change your life. So I would love if you all would come join me on that. It's on my website under Hawaii under trip. Under trips under Hawaii. We will also have a, a link to this in the show notes. And uh, look out because you'll have at least a 1,000 listeners who will be signing up, including me. I need to get out there. <laughs> Sounds insane. amazing. Can I bring a five-year-old? You know, um, as much <laughs> as I love kids and do my trips for kids, this one is really, like on the go. We want to do a, a, an adventure for kids, but I think this one is more – for the kind of 18 and up 17. We had a 19 year old last time and she just loved it. We have a huge age range. We had from 19 to like 60 and we had the time of our life last July. Um, it was incredible. This one guy, he goes after the trip, he goes, Allison. I said, yeah. And he was very serious. And he said, 
this trip was like dating Jennifer Aniston. What am I going to do that's any better after this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that because men and women can both relate to that. We love her. It cracked me up. I said, you'll have to come back. And he did. He came right back and uh, helped caretake the house. And so everybody wants to come back. So you should come. And uh, I'd love to meet your five-year-old. (laughs) <laughs> we'll find another time for that when you're back in Colorado. Let's do it. Well, this has been such a joy. I so appreciate it. We're going to have to give a little props to our friends at Zeal Optics who put us together. They make amazing, amazing eyewear because protecting our eyes is so important, especially as the sun's getting stronger and stronger. Yes. I love seeing life through my, my, I call it seeing life through Zeal colored glasses. <laughs> You know what? Let's make up a new color. It's called Zeal. So Zeal, props to you for doing great things in the world and connecting us. And that's that's it. It's a wrap. We will, gosh, I cannot wait to hang out with you in person sometime, Allison. Enjoy your next adventure. Aloha. (laughs) (laughs) Aloha. Wow. Mahalo for listening to that awesome episode. I wanted to keep talking forever. And how, how about that uh, female Indiana Jones, Allison Teal? You know, I really, truly don't watch reality TV. I, I guess I do watch Chopped. I put on cooking shows. But um, she did something brave out there. And taking that risk and putting her naked body on an island for 21 days with a naked dude. You know what? That helped elevate her profile so that she could have a bigger platform to speak about these incredible... Uh, messages that she has for the world and and just to bring very difficult topics to the public's eye. She is making change in the world. And I love, love her message that everyone is born with an ish. It's that thing you're drawn to that sometimes we push back from because it's uncomfortable or it feels, it feels awkward or alien to us. And she says, Give into it, man. This is what you're meant to do. So go forward. Um, and and after all, don't forget who you are and don't shrug off of those things that are important to you. I love the fact that she says, hey, I'm doing dirty, dirty work in this world and I'm talking about topics that are very difficult. So I'm going to be all about pink because pink to her is happiness. It's passion. It's going all out. And she says at the end of the day, it's okay to be feminine. And it's okay to hold on to that part of myself. And I think that is one thing about her that makes her even stronger. You don't have to embrace pink. Your color can be anything. But don't forget to embrace the things about you that are the truest of truths. So on that note, folks, you know what time it is. It's time to run this world. Let's get out there. Have a great workout. And we'll see you next week. Aloha. Aloha.